Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Filmhouse, which is brought to you by Lisa Mattress. You can get a fun little discount from them, which we'll be hearing more about in the middle of the show. But I want to give you a little heads up that this week's episode's a little different. Uh, as you may recall, we went to Vancouver a couple weeks back, and there we got to interview our friend Adam from YourMovieSucks.org, who is one of my favorite online creators. So it was a real blast to sit down and just sort of have an interview, a little one-on-one, and ask him a lot of questions about stuff like I'm personally interested in. So go ahead and enjoy it, and thank you, Lisa, for sponsoring this show. Get all the burps out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But burps are a part of the personality. Hey guys, welcome to a very special episode of Filmhouse, where it's only two Adams. I'm joined by Adam Johnston. Hello. From YourMovieSucks.org. You got it right. I did. Some people Um, say Johnson. I actually know it well, because we... How did we get in contact? It was you were a fan of Rooster Teeth. Yeah, and still am. And I would drop your na- the name yeah. of your channel because I was like, I'm a, I'm just a general fan of this mm-hmm. guy. And then you, I forgot how it, we tweeted each other or something. Yeah, it's uh, you know people posted it in my subreddit like, hey, Funhouse knows Adam, mm-hmm. and then I forget. I think I followed you on Twitter. Something Were like that. Were you following me already? I don't know. Who knows? Either yeah. way. It, it's like, yeah, that, that friend like, hi, hi, and then you become friends. But yeah. um, you were actually in our content before we even started this show that we do now, Filmhouse. Mm-hmm. We had realized we started doing so many podcasts where we would just talk about movies that we said, why don't we just do this once a week? Mm-hmm. And you actually kind of being very much an inspiring force behind that because I found out, oh, there are people out there who are willing to talk snarky about films and there are people willing to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, <laughs> Surprisingly. Well, what you do, I guess, has been called a film essay. Uh, um, depending or, on the video, yeah. So so you do have a different, you have different types of series where yeah. you, you do make fun of bad movies. Would you say that's your most popular content? Yes. It's and, the YMS reviews, the Your Movie Sucks reviews, mm-hmm. where I go through the film Sometimes frame by frame, depending on the scene, but how, like try how, to. How many times do you watch a film? Um, so I, I mean, I have to watch it once before I decide if I'm going to review it for something like that. Mm-hmm. Then I watch it twice, you know, second time taking notes, and then you know, as I'm going through it, editing wise, sometimes during that process, there will be points where I'm noticing things about the film, like in um amusement that's where i found that like weird extra frame like there's no way you could notice that while watching it it was just Mm -hmm. like sometimes going through editing it you know yeah well i i first discovered you i want to say it was the uh mandy's gone missing or megan is missing megan is missing michael Uh, goy a michael goy joint yeah who i see his name pop up sometimes still from time to time where Mm -hmm. he's still mentioned or he was like a dp he made this horrible film and uh i guess what you were doing I, I guess other people have been doing like red letter media has mm-hmm. done similar things, but I felt like your, your reviews spoke more to the internet age, mm-hmm. um, especially with the Megan, yeah. Megan's gone missing where you're like, one, one of the things that stuck with me was that you pointed out how kids don't talk that way yeah. <laughs> or you're making fun of the way people are trying to do drugs or drug portrayal is done in video. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of, I guess other film essays, it's more about people getting to the feelings of like, yeah. I don't know, like the, uh, oh, what's a, who's that wonderful, uh, Captain Christian. You know? Oh, yeah. I very much enjoy his We're content. Buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I would definitely call you guys like almost polar opposites. Yeah, well, his are more like 
short and sweet love letters mm -hmm. that, you know, talk about experiences and, you know, giving context to um, how each of what he's each of the subjects he's talking about was created, its cultural impact. And although, you know, there are films that I cover where I'm able to talk about those, if I'm just tearing apart some crappy movie Megan is missing, it's really difficult to talk about the cultural impact mm -hmm. of that film more like the themes, even though it's like, sure, there are themes that exist, but they're not, you know, they're not properly illustrated. Right. So well, I feel like also, too, a lot of your early notoriety came from things like, you know, Cool Cat and the, you, you finding these sort of like gems yeah on the internet as much as i hate using that term the gems but the hidden gem yeah i it seems like reddit is like your best friend and sworn enemy at the same time yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh it's this giant force that could work for you or against mm -hmm. you i mean that's honestly how i discovered your stuff was uh megan's gone missing was on the front page of reddit mm -hmm. and i just checked it out and that's how i found you but uh you'd been working for much longer before that right yeah so that was in I think that review was posted 2012, 2013, maybe. Wow. The film came out in 2011. I know that. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had the film review channel since 2010. Mm. And Megan is Missing, the success of that video was just enough um, ad revenue for me to get like an extra month's rent. And that was the jumping off point for me creating a Patreon and being like, I quit my job. Yeah. So if you guys want to help out, I've got one month before I have to get another job. And then that was in uh, September 2013. And I've oh. been doing it full time since then. So. so what were you doing before? So you were working a full time job doing what? Well, I was actually working several part time jobs because they weren't giving me enough hours at Best Buy. Um, and I was also working at a place called Frogbox, <laughs> which I'm not even going to try to attempt to explain what that is. Look it up. They were on <laughs> they were on Dragon's Den a few times. OK, Vancouver business but anyway so you were working two jobs and running a youtube channel yep. and your own website yeah all at the doing same a time. lot of stuff at once but that's kind of how you have to do it you yeah know? it's like you can't you have to treat something as your job before it's your job mm -hmm. otherwise you're not gonna you know be able to monetize it you're not gonna find success doing it like mm -hmm. you have to put in that kind of work and that's something that i'm not sure everybody understands yeah you well, know it, you have made it a full-time work from home job now yeah do you ever get those moments where you think it's too much or, yes. uh, or, but do you, do you, do you like love to hate it? Is that the sort of thing? Or do you, I consider it to be an investment mm -hmm. just like I, I considered it to be an investment before I was making money off of it. It's like, okay, this is, you know, I, I have my goals set in mind and I think like, okay, even if I'm only getting like 10 more subscribers every week, that's something. And then, you know, it kind of snowballs and builds, especially after being able to do it full time and focus on that, then it's like, okay, well now I'm making more content. Things are growing faster. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of it becoming too much, like I just keep piling on different projects at this point and I don't know when I'm going to stop. Like now I'm doing the podcast and I'm editing that and um, I'm working on my album. I do music and, you know, as it's coming closer to the end of my album being finished, it's just like, okay, well, you know, I can't, I can't half-ass this. I gotta, mm -hmm. you know, spend a lot of time on it. So right now I'm like super incredibly overwhelmed, but at the same time, I, I do see value in what I do, you know, and I think mm -hmm. that, that it can help me get to better places, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, know? so 
I guess that, that's an interesting part too, where we've talked about this before, where people have asked us for advice or whatever in their life. And we've always said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't invest in one thing. I feel like that's something you've done with, yeah. you've done a website, you do music. You also have a Let's Play channel. Mm-hmm. Um, has that still been updated? I haven't kept up on that. The Let's Play channel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's uh, We're posting two videos a week on the, the main channel where um, different editors will like, you know, make a consumable shortened, you know, throw in some editing jokes kind of versions of the games that I stream. Yeah. And then uh, from the Twitch stream, there's a secondary channel for my gaming stuff, which is just like hour long clips of the full playthrough. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, updated pretty much daily. There's yeah. right now it's like there's three weeks worth of, of streams that I could be publishing, but I'm just doing them once a day. Mm-hmm. So there's always content. And if I go to a film festival and I can't do my stream, then it's like, OK, we have stuff that we can put out while I'm while I'm gone. That's one of the more interesting things that I found about your content and sort of your your tone and your voice does come from sort of uh, you know, I did have that vibe that you had a gaming background mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of the other film review channels that I've seen I'm not saying this in a bad way or anything but yeah. don't have much of a gaming background where you seem to definitely come from that. Seeing like some of your like early videos where you have like a Halo 3 poster in the background yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And do you ever do you have a part of your brain that's able to separate like the two types of mediums? You are you're a lot of people try to compare film to gaming. Mm-hmm. Are you able to just go, this is a video game. I understand what I'm getting. Or do you constantly feel like you're making yeah, comparisons? Yeah, in a way. But I mean, like, I don't really review games on my gaming channel. I just like I play them and I have fun playing them. And um, sometimes people get upset when I'm, you know, if I'm doing like a choose your own adventure, like David Cage game, Mm -hmm. and I'm constantly making choices that are, I know are going, going to impact the character negatively. Sometimes people get upset. You're not playing the game, right? It's like, well, it's, it's a choice. Of course I'm playing the game, right? Right. You know, the choice is there. And I like to, I kind of like to, to try testing the limits of the game. If I think like, oh, you're not going to seriously allow me to do that. Mm -hmm. Then I try it. It's like, oh wow, the choice wasn't real. Right. You know, like, so I, I do try to, like, deconstruct them at the same time, but I'm not making any kind of, like, essay or takedown. I'm just kind no. of, like, comment, commenting over top of it as I play it. I'm only making the comparison because on one hand, it's sort of it's sort of like growing up with a pager and then getting mm. a smartphone. Oh, yeah. I was raised on things like Roger Ebert who mm-hmm. just could not wrap his head around a video game. Oh, of but, course. But his reviews, Notoriously. I was, Yeah, but I always felt his reviews were very fair and well-written, and he understood it. But Poetic. But, yeah, and when it came to video games, he was just completely lost, whereas you, as someone from a younger generation, actually have a grasp on both worlds. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you're... I, once again, we don't call them film essays, but when you do your best ofs of the mm-hmm. year, I was always kind of blown away of actually how articulate and how well you've written out your love for a film. And I felt like that translated into, well, I will check out this film because I trust this person's opinion. At the same time, you know how to play a first-person shooter. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Roger Ebert probably just couldn't ever wrap his poor head around that. Yeah. I'm not great at video games. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like a pro gamer or anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't but, think you have to be to enjoy yeah. a video game. I yeah, guess that's true. Yeah, if you're doing it for the love of it, right? Yeah. And especially it's if, an art form. Yeah, I, and I think that's actually a smart distinction that you made is that you said you don't want to be a video game reviewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already seen time and time again other reviewers getting shit for not being good at video games. Mm-hmm. So, But I, I guess on that note, what would you say qualifies you to make a review or have a uh, to make a to be a film critic? Well, you know, it's really I mean, 
I don't have any qualifications on paper. I'm just the mm. person who's opinionated and, and passionate about what I talk about. And, you know, the, the free market of YouTube, people are going to gravitate towards either opinions that they agree with or opinions that they find interesting. Or in my case, some of it is because of the editing or the humor or the commentary. But um, in terms of like actual qualifications, I, I mean, like, the internet is full of so much information that you could learn anything you could learn at a school. You're not going to get the same experience, but like if you're seriously interested and passionate about something and you know, you're constantly searching for things that you're interested in, you're going to come out with pretty much the same information. And, you know, aside from that, you know, I'm, I'm fairly young. I'm still learning a lot of things. You know, I'm not like going to call myself an expert at, pretty much anything. But, um, you know, it, it's sometimes it's just a matter of like perspective. Mm -hmm. And and if you can offer something that people find is an interesting or unique or even reliable perspective, then they're going to want to come back to it. So you can you can be a person that talks about how the film is made. You can talk about themes or you can be a person that just gives your opinion on it. You know, there's YouTube reviewers out there with more subscribers than me that don't really offer any kind of insight to the film at all and is is basically just a see it or so, or or don't see it kind of channel. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly legitimate. Oh, for sure. Um, it but, is, it's a giant ocean. I guess you can yeah. pick your fish, whatever yeah. you want. Um, do you ever feel like you're painted in a corner or that uh, do you ever feel obligated to be more negative towards something because maybe that's why people discovered you or you think a video will do no. better. Do you, do, no. you, you just kind of do what you want? Yeah. I mean, like I, uh, there's people that think that I am such a contrarian that I'll fabricate my opinions and be like, Oh, uh, you know, I'm only hating this cause it's popular sort of thing, but that's not, that's not what I do. Like mm -hmm. I am a tough crowd to please in a sense, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I have my own opinions, but if I really love something, I'm going to praise it. If I really don't like it, I'm going to criticize it. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, there's middle ground where I can say, like, I didn't enjoy this movie, but I'm giving it credit for this. And sometimes people still get mad. Mission Impossible Fallout. What the? <laughs> I don't understand what I said wrong in that review. People are. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I haven't seen it. I've actually got to a point where I won't watch your reviews until after I see the movie. That's fine. Um, only because I it. I do find myself lining my opinion up mm -hmm. with what you say. Usually, and even if I don't entirely agree or I think like, oh, I really enjoyed this film. And then you come out and say, I don't really like it. I, I guess maybe because we have a personal relationship and we've, mm -hmm. we've been friends for a while, I can go, well, that's totally fine. I'm okay with a friend of mine not liking something that I like. And I feel like maybe that goes both ways as well, where I think people often forget this. You don't have a problem with someone who enjoys something, right? Not at all. Yeah. I, it's, it is an opinion. I know you have said before you refuse to turn your brain off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's been misinterpreted though, because, <laughs> because there's people, well, there, there's people that, uh, you know, they, they, they see my comments when I, when I said, um, these things stuck out to me in a film and I would like to, uh, forgive the movie, but I can't because I have a brain sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There's people that interpreted that as me saying, I'm so smart that uh, the reason why I had these issues with the movie is because I'm so smart. But that's not what I'm saying. It's mm -hmm. it's an it's a counter argument towards people who 
refuse to accept that an opinion can be different. Mm -hmm. And before I, even before I make some of my reviews, people will be like on my IMDb ratings, they'll be like, oh, he's just not liking it because he's contrarian sort of mm -hmm. thing. And I'm kind of trying to argue against that. Like, you know, like I, I would love to give the movie credit, but these are the things that stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody's brain is different. Everybody's going to value certain aspects of a film over others. Mm -hmm. um, to some people, you can completely ignore all aspects of the filmmaking as long as it's a story or theme that connects with you personally, mm -hmm. you know, and that's everybody's going to have a different experience sort of thing. So. I, I feel like there is a an overwhelming commonality that's been happening. Maybe there's more in the States than here, but there's something I've have just dubbed tune out culture mm -hmm. where if a movie is not hitting every one of your senses, people whip their phones out now. Is that mm -hmm. a is that a common thing out here, or are people just uh, in the, the theater screen? or theater? I mean, um, well, I, I feel like it comes from being at home. Yeah, I feel like people are training themselves to sort of during the downtime, and I'm guilty of this. Mm -hmm. If I watch a show that I'm not really into, I'll be on my phone. I'll have it in the background. But if it's a movie that I really want to watch, like most recently, Mandy, mm -hmm. uh, that was one that came out recently digitally. I it it wasn't in any theaters near me, but even in being in the setting that I was in. I had to like put my phone away yeah. and stare, but I feel like people, yeah. people can't even do that. So when people say things like, well, just turn your brain off, that probably means check Facebook until things explode. I think what people mean by that is oftentimes I'll be, I'll be criticizing a film like, I don't know, Edge of Tomorrow, and I'll be going into mm -hmm. like the time travel mechanics and pointing out how the rules that it's set up for the film are ones that they don't follow. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people see something like that and they go like, well, yeah, but it's a dumb action movie. So you're not, you know, like mm -hmm. the, what the film is trying to market itself as you shouldn't be mentioning those things. You're supposed to not think about it sort of thing. But it's like, I can't not think about it. And to me, in my opinion, like if you're a fan of something, like if you're the biggest fan of Edge of Tomorrow, you should be thinking about the mechanics of the universe. Everything that I'm a huge fan of, I want to understand it to like the fullest degree mm -hmm. you know I, even if it's something that i find in a movie that i love that i that you know it makes it make less sense like why weren't there any security cameras in gattaca that does, you know it kind of ruins the plot <laughs> damn it but sorry <laughs> no <laughs> um, it, it, that, that like, is actually that's one of my favorite movies yeah and it's a, i can that. still think it's a great movie i love mm -hmm. it i'm gonna continue watching it it's a great experience like it it, it achieves a lot in filmmaking dramatically mm -hmm. and and you know the the story is uh, very poignant, mm. um, but you know, I, I just I feel like there's no part of a movie that shouldn't be talked about. It's it's another conversation for someone to take uh, small issues with a movie and then act like it ruins the whole thing. And a lot of people think that I do that, mm. but. Um, I would say that most of the time, if I'm going on about like kind of nitpicky things for like a relatively well-received movie that's that's popular, it's not usually the nitpicky things that that prevent me from loving the movie. Like there's some, you know, plot holes are not weighed evenly. There's some things that like completely ruin the movie. There's some that don't. Sure. Um, but most of the time, it's usually because I don't feel the movie achieved as much in what it set out to do. So like something like Mission Impossible Fallout, I'm like, yeah, I really loved the action scenes, but the action scenes were half of the movie, not, you know, like, right. so I loved half of the movie. 
You know, sure. the rest of it, you know, the the stereotypical cheesy uh, dialogue scenes, and you know, that I you can just watch my review if you want. But I mean, like, I can't yeah. I can't praise the full movie when half of it was mm-hmm. something that I that connected with me. You know? <laughs> well, I guess the takeaway, and I've done this, I've I've learned to do this just with most of culture is that I will never begrudge someone for having an opinion. And because someone watches something a certain way, our opinions don't need to line up in order for me to like something. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the same way where just because it's sort of like a buyer's remorse or um, the other can't remember it as a buyer's justification, Mm -hmm. sort of like I went out and bought a PS4 and it's the number one selling console or I went to infinity war and it's the number one movie. Therefore Mm -hmm. I am right. And I feel like that for, I don't know what that phenomenon is, but I feel that's probably been going on in human history forever oh, in yeah. some way where yeah. you want to be on some sort of team or some side, but it's a weird thing to, people get very invested in the worlds that they are watching or viewing. And if you don't like it, they somehow feel personally attacked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, th- and that seems to be a constant uphill battle that you were dealing with. I know you had a, you had a big backlash with like the Black Panther review you did where you had a certain opinion about something. People mm-hmm. said, well, how dare you? And yeah. that's uh, that seems like a constant fight that you're having. Uh, it's probably every quarter, I think, you, yeah. you get well, into something. Yeah, it depends what's in theaters. You know, <laughs> Sometimes I see a movie that's like doing so well that I know I'm probably not going to like, and I have to have this thought in my head, like, should I even watch it? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to make my review, but it's like, it's just going to upset people. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Hi, it's me, Adam, in the present, not in the past. So I'm going to give you a little ad read and thank Lisa for sponsoring this episode of Filmhouse. Do you find yourself distracted, forgetting things, making mistakes at work? Well, a quality night's sleep makes all the difference. The right mattress is the difference between resting and just laying down. The Lisa mattress is the product of more than 30 years of experience in mattress engineering and hundreds of hours of testing. The Lisa mattress has over 12,000 five-star reviews and is loved by more than 300,000 happy sleepers. The much-loved Lisa mattress is now even better. The new top layer of foam has improved to sleep cooler, which I love personally because I can't sleep when it's hot, and has a perfect hug and bounce. Has improved pressure relief for all sleepers, but particularly improved for side sleepers. The Lisa mattress contours to every curve of your body, so it feels like you're floating on air. So go ahead and order your Lisa mattress online at lisa.com forward slash filmhouse with promo code filmhouse and try it risk-free for 100 nights. It ships direct to your door in a convenient box with free shipping and free returns. Get up to $160 off the Lisa mattress or $235 off the luxury Sapira mattress and free shipping on the Lisa mattress at Lisa dot com forward slash filmhouse where you enter promo code filmhouse at the checkout that's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash filmhouse promo code filmhouse back to the interview well you, you hit on a really interesting point too where you said the if you watch something with any sort of scrutiny you mm. will find problems most likely I, mm. I feel like that with anything yeah uh it could be the best film of all time you will find a problem with it i think even the most perfect person will not survive under a microscope mm-hmm. which is been very true of all human mm-hmm. history. That's why you don't meet your heroes because you end up being very disappointed because we're all very flawed people. And I think films especially are flawed because I don't know if you've ever been like on a set or anything, but like it's a miracle. I think any sort of film gets made the way it does. There's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's one of the, it's a passive viewing experience that I think at some point we forget that mm-hmm. while watching it, they're like, why didn't they just change X to Y when 
you realize there were 45 people on set mm-hmm. and they had to be out of there by 2 a.m. because yes. they couldn't go overtime because they were being over budget and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, are those things you ever take into consideration when watching a film or do you just sort of try to take it in as the final package? Well, I mean, I would say the majority of the time, um, the issues that I'm criticizing can be explained by because money, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, the the justification for that is... is um, a lot more forgivable than others. So if you're talking about like a studio project where there's no reasonable excuse why they shouldn't have been able to do a day of reshoots or, um, you know, there was the um, the 2011 Thing remake. I'm not sure if you... I haven't seen it. Okay. No. Was it a remake or was it well, a, it was soft a pre- reboot? Prequel. Oh, it was soft a prequel. reboot. Prequel okay. kind of... The same things happened... But it was to explain the team that they found sort of thing. Gotcha. And um, the filmmakers set out to have this very faithful adaptation of the original. They had like crap tons of practical effects that they use, like they were using animatronics and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the studio came in and was like, no, this people don't want that. They want CG. And then mm-hmm. they literally like all this work that people did, they... they um, animated over top of it with worse effects. And the original cut is something we can never see, I guess. But a lot of the times, just like the people controlling the money behind the film are the reason why it sucks. And which is why a lot of the films that I love in the year, most of the films I love in a year are independent films created by people who, um, you know, the writer is the same as the director or, you know, has a grasp on what the... um, what the script is trying to be or they, you know, it's a passion project, not like, Hey, we need to reboot this franchise or, Hey, this is a popular idea. Who's somebody who we can attach to it. John Favreau, go for it. You mm-hmm. know, like yeah. I, I feel like money is the biggest reason why things aren't as good as they could be. There, there was um, a really interesting article I read about some entertainment weekly or I don't know something, but it was a Richard uh, Linklater article yep that he had talked about the film Friday Night Lights mm-hmm. and how he had went to try to get that film made. He said, I want to adapt this book. It's really pop. Oh, like I really enjoyed it. I want to make it in the studio. No joke. Went to a computer and typed in like football, summer film, yeah. link later. And it crunched out a number like, and they said, doesn't look good. Like, sorry, sorry, Richard, we can't do yeah, that. Not surprising. He defied all expectations, made the film. It was very popular. Mm-hmm. It made more money than they thought it would. It was just sort of like a sleeper hit. Made it got made into a TV show that was very popular for many years. And now they want to readapt it into a movie based on the TV show. Yada yada. But it it is just sort of amazing that I think in the studio system, people want an easy answer. They want a silver bullet. They, they want no to go idea. they want to go thing plus thing equals this. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for people to understand. That's why mm-hmm. you can say Ghostbusters, but now female equal new film, which is like literally an email that was sent that they found in the leaked Sony <laughs> emails. Are, oh, that's so good. That It's a true thing. And, yeah. it, you know, there's, there's, I don't know if you've seen any of those leaked Sony emails, but there's I've, just, I've heard there's some amazing things there. Like we need a hit on this EDM culture. Kids, oh yeah. Kids I was love, so happy with the, that one. Kids love the EDM. How do we, how do we get someone hot like dead mouse? Oh but, man. Cause that was a, that was one of the points I brought up in my original Amazing Spider-Man 2 review. And then uh-huh. when I saw those leaks, I'm like, I knew it. Like, it literally confirmed exactly what I was thinking. Is it because Electro was dubstep yeah. or something? I was like, this is hip with the kids, right? Like, <laughs> that was exactly what they did. But that not that a strange thing, though, that to be hip with the kids is not hip? 
Yeah. Right. Fellow you, kids. Yeah. You want to you want to do something that defies expectations or something you you want to see something that you're not expecting if you if you are a cool kid, I suppose. Yeah. The uh, you know the the people who control the money in blockbuster films really just have no idea what they're doing except you know Disney Marvel who know what they're doing and they're not making great movies but they know exactly how to make money sure you have to respect how much of a money making machine they are Mm -hmm. but for the most part like Sony like Slender Man what was that what we need a Slender Man movie like whose idea was that it was a hot ticket I mean in this in the same world we're living in there is a current Minecraft movie being worked Uh, on at some point who knows where it is (laughs) I don't know but I mean, do you do you still feel like there are movies that could have somewhat of a budget and still be something that you would enjoy? Like, uh, where, I guess where does like, did you enjoy the film Hereditary? Yeah. Where where does that fall on your scale of enjoyment and budget production? Costs? I uh, well, I mean, like it didn't have a super high budget. Mm-hmm. It was like a twenty four, which most of their films. I don't think I don't know if they've distributed a film that's been much higher than like 10 million or something, which is like, you know, on the lower end. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, like that was a, that was a really great movie for what it was. I, it's not perfect, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I understand why people really loved it and I bought it on Blu-ray. I want to see it again. I, it spooked me a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first time I saw it, but then after, after the movie ended, I realized, oh, it's not a scary movie. It's a mm-hmm. it's a stressful movie. Yeah, which it's, I, it's very strange. Which I really enjoyed. I that I didn't even realize it had a lower budget. You're right. I forget it was a twenty four. But is there is there a medium tier movie like subgenre anymore or genre anymore? It, it seems to be everything's either Iron Man or Blumhouse. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, like those are the ways to get movies made, mm-hmm. right? I guess or Netflix or Hulu or yeah. something like that. These days, um, if you're like an established director, you can make like medium budget movies. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure not every Coen Brothers movie is like super high budget. You know, like that's a good point. They're I think they're very good at doing more than one person's job. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I don't know. That was that was a two guys who. It was strange. My my film school was basically Coen Brothers and John Carpenter. Mm. That's what our or and uh, Robert Rodriguez. Mm. Yeah, I also went to community college, so yeah. that sort of explains a lot. We mostly just watched making of DVDs. Where they said they're like, "Look, El Mariachi is not a great movie, but if you watch it with the director's uh, director's commentary, you might learn something." Yeah, you know, I've I to kind of touch back to like my qualifications or the fact that I never went to film school. Mm. Like that's completely what i consumed like all the time it's just like dvd commentaries featurettes and that's how i learned a lot about movies is just hearing it from the directors themselves you know mm-hmm. you don't need a middleman they'll tell you exactly how their film was made what they had to do on each day of the set you know and describe sometimes even like the themes behind the film in their commentary like you can learn so much by just viewing extra or special features mm-hmm. on on DVDs or Blu-rays, which is why I'm kind of upset that Netflix doesn't really offer any kind of thing like that. You would think that at this point, yeah. yeah I mean, like iTunes does it sometimes, but it's kind of like a dying genre, like featurettes and special features, which yeah. is kind of sad. Like I, that's part of the reason why I buy like a, a Blu-ray. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a few reasons, but. I really enjoy hearing the filmmakers themselves talk about, you know, how they made the film. Mm-hmm. It's it's more valuable information than 
anything else when it comes to filmmaking. Yeah. So. Well, I'm definitely a proponent of people. I, go go to, if you are interested in film or you are interested in making a career out of something you want to do. If you think going to school is going to help you, that's great. But I'm definitely a fan of learning on your own and being self-taught. I feel like those are actually some of the best yeah. uh, people in their fields. Hands-on um, experience. Yeah. And I, I think you can always wave a fancy degree, but if you don't know how to do your job when you're at your job, then who cares what a piece of paper says? Also, especially when you're talking about art degrees, like you can't teach <laughs> talent. You, I mean, yeah. like you can, you can help talented people recognize their full potential in a way, I guess. Foster it. Yeah. But you can't, you can't take someone who's tone deaf and put them mm -hmm. in a music course. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're the next Beethoven, mm -hmm. you know, like you, you can't, do that and a lot of people will go to any kind of art school whether it's you know music or film school mm -hmm. thinking that they'll be able to come out of it being like i'm a director now <laughs> but then you look at a lot of the stuff that film students make mm -hmm. and you know most film students and most non-film students also make crap yeah. you know most people are just making crappy movies well, and sure it can teach you how to use you know equipment it can teach mm -hmm. you a lot about film history can teach you about like techniques and like rule of thirds and all that stuff but like hands-on experience and being open to failure you know you got to make something and suck at it and then be self-critical and be like what did i do wrong improve that's the best experience you can have yeah always well, so, like two perfect examples that are could not be more opposite would be pt anderson and brett ratner yeah two people who went through the system in a similar way P.T. Anderson quit, mm -hmm. still got to make Boogie Nights because yeah. he had realized the teacher is teaching me everything I already know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not learning anything here. Took Got a student loan back, used that money to actually just make a short film, which mm -hmm. ended up getting him a career. Whereas uh, the other person's name is said, who did I say? Brett uh, Ratner. Brett Ratner yeah. went through USC, made a terrible short film, mm -hmm. got it to Steven Spielberg somehow. And Steven Spielberg said, this guy is great. Yeah. A hundred years from now, one of those directors will be remembered. The other one will be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that's and one. And, you know, one of them has a formal education. The other one dropped out. Yeah. So it doesn't. It's I, not I, make or break. Yeah. I, I guess I, I want to make it perfectly clear. You don't need you. You, you don't need an education. What you need are, are tools and uh, people to surround yourself with who will help you execute on your vision, which is an ed education. You do need education, just not necessarily like formal Sure. Yeah. <laughs> People skills are great. Yeah. It will get you so far. Yeah. And a lot of the times it's like school is so expensive that you could have made a film mm. with the money you spent on film school. Yeah. You know, I guess that there sort of is an expectation of I have given you money. Now give me the thing. And it's like, yeah. well, no, it's what you put into it is what you will get back. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like with a degree, it's like, what, where, where are you going to show the degree? You're not just going to walk up to a Hollywood producer and be like, hey, mm -hmm. I was in film school. You have to actually make a short film to show to somebody yeah. in most of the cases. Like you have to have something where you can prove, you know, your product before you'll get any kind of funding. That's a, it's a big thing we talk about just on our channel and stuff. Mm -hmm. We say, uh, you know, your resume can say whatever you want. Just show me your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Show me the stuff yeah. you've made. Show me, show me examples of your work. So then exactly. I can get, that's honestly what it's becoming. So I don't know. And that's uh, on that note. I would say if people want to check out your <gasps> resume, where can they go uh, besides the links in the description? Besides but, uh, the links in the description? I don't yeah. know. Oh, we'll link to all your fun yeah, stuff. Search but, uh, uh, 
Is there anything else? So you, you did actually mention you're working on a studio album. Yes. Uh, your yeah. music was once in Guitar Hero. No. It was uh, in Rock sorry. Band 3 Mike as Bad. DLC. Rock Band. Is it still there? Um, I guess if you... I, I mean, I, you can find the... Uh, I'm pretty sure if you like, you can find them on the Xbox website or the PlayStation Network. Mm. They're just like 99 cent songs, but like you have to have good, uh, Rock Band 3 because they abandoned the Rock Band Network in Rock Band 4. Right. And also they abandoned the, the keyboard controller, which most of my songs are like piano based. So, oh. I mean, yes, they're still there, but I mean, I wouldn't, you, you probably can't <laughs> find a way to play them. You, you legitimately had some good music on there, I will say. I thank you. I was actually a fan of, uh, I forget the exact name of the song, but I remember you. Fragments? Maybe in Fragments. I, you remember you, it, it was always sort of a strange thing you said, hey, here's my movie review about Cool Cat. Anyway, check out my music on mm, Rock Band. Yeah. Like, Who's this guy? <laughs> so I, you are a, you are a triple threat, my friend. And uh, I definitely wish you luck in your future endeavors. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been great. All right. We'll see. Bye. We'll see. Bye. <laughs>